Well, hello and welcome to the Transfix Take On. I'm your host, Jenny Ruiz, and today I'm joined by the founder of the New Warehouse Podcast and self-proclaimed warehouse nerd, Kevin Lawton, who's taking on the state of warehousing. Now, Kevin's career spans over a decade of working in the distribution and logistics industry with humble beginnings in the inventory department at Simon & Schuster, and he's since moved into various distribution and operation management roles, and his podcast just broke over 400 episodes. So first of all, big congratulations to you, Kevin, and welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me as well. It's great to uh, be on the other side of the mic, I guess, in, in this scenario, right? Or the other side of the table. I'm not sure what you would say in this <laughs> situation. But uh, yeah, thank you very much. It's been a uh, crazy ride and, and definitely uh, ready to, to nerd out on some, some warehousing stuff. So Let's do it. You know, I, I have to say, this is the first time that we're actually diving deep into the warehousing section of the mm. supply chain. So I'm excited to get to learn a lot about this area, especially given your expertise. Is there anything that I should know right off the bat, first and foremost? Oh, yes. So I always say that, well, first, I believe that warehouses are sexy for sure. So that's what we'll get that out of the way. Right. And uh, I think additionally, you know, for people that are, are not familiar with warehousing and things like that, you know, it's uh, and the reason we, we say that warehouses are sexy is because there's so much more than, uh, you know, four concrete walls with boxes inside. There's so many incredible things happening in the space and, and going on within that facility to be able to to make that package get to your your front porch and get on that porch uh, in a in a timely manner and you know when you demand it as a consumer, right? I know I want it tomorrow, <laughs> really today. But <laughs> what is the sexiest thing about warehousing? Now I have to know. Oh, the sexiest thing? Well, I think for me, and this is probably uh, I'm going to tip my hat for the warehouse nerd here, but uh, <laughs> I think. The sexiest thing, I mean, is to me is like the elegant orchestration of the the process flows and, and everything kind of coming together. I mean, there's so many moving parts and, you know, you may see as a consumer, you may see one package show up on your porch, right? Yeah. But when that one package was getting put together and those products were coming together, there was thousands of other products and packages moving at the same time within mm -hmm. that facility. Um, and just to be able to kind of tweak and come up with these efficiencies and put technologies in place and, you know, get your workers to be productive and happy in the environment so that, mm -hmm. you know, everything falls into place and everything flows throughout the operation from, you know, the inbound yard side all the way out to the dock um, and get to that spot. I think when all that kind of comes together, that's like when it's like the sexiest, I will say. But certainly, <laughs> I mean, on the sexy side, there's so much technology going on yeah. um, within the warehouse space it's it's pretty wild um in you know i i think you know, I've said this a couple of times on, on my podcast and in conversation with other people i think one of the most interesting things about our space right now is that we see so many of these cutting edge technologies coming yeah. out you know robotics automation ai machine learning all these different things but they find a practical use and home within the warehouse and the logistics space, which yeah. I think is awesome to, to be a part of. I mean, I would even argue that if you're looking to start a career in the supply chain, you should start in warehousing, right? Because oh, yeah. I think on the opposite end of that, we talk so much here about truck drivers and, and shippers and so forth. And even starting at the warehouse, I think could lend a more well-rounded perspective on how the circular supply chain works. Would you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, first off, in the supply chain, I will say that on the warehouse side, I always say that, you know, that warehouse worker is kind of your, it's your last line of defense before yeah. the customer, essentially, right? I mean, unless yeah. unless you have your, your own trucks and things like that, but, you know, typically in a, you know, standard environment, I mean, that warehouse worker is the last person that's going to touch that product before it gets to your customer that you have really control over. Um, so, you know, it's great to be on the floor and like you said, get that experience within the warehouse. I mean, I've dealt with people at, at multiple different levels in my career and, you know, you can tell um, who's at a higher level um, that never spent time on the floor, mm. Not whether it's whether, you know, it's, it's working a job in the summer in college or something like that, or, or just even like going to the floor at all to, to see what's going on, really understand processes. I mean, I've been in situations where people are like, 
you know, let's uh, change this or we can do this like this. Right. And, and you put some of these changes in and then you go to the floor and you talk to people and, you know, the employees are like, you know, why, why did you do this? Like, right. it, doesn't, right. it doesn't work like this. Right. So, I mean, like you said, I mean, getting that experience can really help you to understand like where is that kind of core of your products moving and, and getting distributed out and then you know really kind of get that foundation to to grow and within the supply chain and, and really kind of understand all those moving pieces so let's talk about the state of warehousing and how it's changed especially over the last 10 years with you know shippers of choice focusing on integrating more state-of-the-art technology for efficiency purposes kind of like you're just mentioning right now mm -hmm. And then bettering relationships with carriers or or for their carriers. What do you think makes the warehouse operations a seamless process? Since we're on that subject anyway. Mm. Yeah, seamless. Ooh, I think that <laughs> uh, you know it takes time to definitely get that that seamless experience uh, within the warehouse. And uh, I mean, I'll say no, no matter what, as far as you try and push your operation to be seamless, like you know, when you start your day in the morning, you're like, oh, this is the way my day is going to go as an operations manager, warehouse manager. And there's always something that comes yeah. up, right? There's always, always something. But you know, to push towards that seamless, I mean, I think it's really understanding and from an organization perspective or an organization that you work with perspective that is really a, a partnership overall mm. and i think you know i always treated the warehouse and, and my position as almost a, a company within the company right i mean the warehouse is is servicing multiple different departments you know if you're if you're not talking to customer service if you're not talking to finance, you're not talking to IT, uh, you know, you're all operating in these silos and, you know, different parts of the supply chain as well. Yeah. It, it's not going to be seamless. There's going to be a lot of disconnect. There's going to be a lot of miscommunication. Uh, there's going to be misunderstanding on, you know, what can the warehouse really handle right now? You got a, you know, salesperson out there uh, telling a customer, yeah, yeah, we can deliver, you know, eight truckloads of this product uh, yeah. next week. And then, you know, <laughs> you they come to you and you get this order and you're like, oh, well, we can't do this now, right? And then yeah. it's like, well, th and then they didn't talk to transportation either and transportation can't get the load, like the trucks for it. And, you know, it's, it's a whole thing, right? So, yeah. I mean, having that kind of seamless and understanding throughout departments, I mean, I think just better increases that flow overall. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then from like a carrier perspective, you know, it, it's very important to have these solid relationships with your carriers because when you need it and you know you, you did a carrier dirty or something like that you know and then you know, all of a sudden you know you need uh one more truck to ltl at the end of the day and you're calling and you know they're like eh, you know I, I don't think we're gonna make it you know uh, and then like you know what do you do i mean like, you, you have like pallets of, of product there that you're trying to get out yeah um and having that relationship and, and really understanding like who are those key points of contact um, and, and kind of navigating those channels in a sense. I mean, it always kind of made it a point for me as an operations manager, warehouse manager to understand like, okay, like who is really the person that can, can help me in those mm -hmm. times of needs, right? Like uh, I don't want to call customer service and then, you know, get put on hold and then, you know, get transferred and then yeah. hold again. And then like, well, you know, typically your account manager or something, they're not always like in the office, right? And then they send you to the office line. It's like, well, no, they're not in the office. And then try and track them down. So I always kind of made it a point to like, hey, you know, how can we work together? How yeah. can we ensure like, you know, if, if something's going on, I need to get to you directly. What's the best way to do that, right? So you, you make it easy on both sides. So it's mm -hmm. a win-win, right? So, and you know, there's certainly been plenty of nights where, Hey, we're trying to push out these last orders end of the month and we need one more uh, trailer for LTL and, yeah. you know, call the guy and yeah, we're there waiting until, you know, an hour after close, but you know, we, we got it done and they're able to deliver for us because we get create that kind of understanding and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the human side and the human yeah. aspect to it. And then the technology from a seamless perspective, I mean, I think as long as you're getting the right systems software in place as the foundation um, to be able to to connect, and you want to make sure that your your integrations are, are right. Um, and, you know, big, big focus on real time kind mm. of analytics, insight, visibility into things, because if you're 
you know, if you're in an operation setting and, you know, you're trying to make decisions based off data that's a couple of days old or, you know, even 24 hours old, I mean, sometimes yeah. it's too late, right? So, I mean, can you make improvements for the future? Yeah, but, you know, you're, you're losing out on, on definitely some time. So I think technology really pushing us to more of a, a real-time visibility, uh, real-time insight into what's going on right now. How can I, you know, change my capacity, switch my resources around, um, you know, call, ramp up. I need more drop trailers or I need another pickup, something like that. I mean, yeah. that really helps to, to make it seamless so that you're understanding, like, okay, this is part of the flow. We have a system that's alerting us, letting us know what's going on. We have visibility to this and, you know, and, and you're not waiting until, it's too late, right? Or, yeah. you know, you're relying on uh, your your dock lead or something to tell you like, oh, we're, we're out of trailers. We need more trailers to load. And then it's like, now your dock's getting backed up, right? And now right. you're, you know, you're creating all these kind of uh, kinks in the system, basically. So, I mean, I think that's really the the key kind of in that foundation to kind of creating this, this seamless flow of the process. So, you know, over the last three years, especially with the pandemic and so forth, I think for Transfix, we've gotten a, a pretty good perspective on how it's affected drivers and, and shippers. But talk to me about how these last three years with the pandemic, with inventory glut, with imports being crazy, how has that affected the warehousing sector? Yeah, I mean, it's been crazy. And I was uh, working for another company, uh, plant manager, running their operation throughout the pandemic. And you know, it's uh, it was certainly challenging uh, to to put it lightly. I would yeah. say, in a sense, right? I mean, you know, the first, you know, from the employee labor perspective. I mean, I, I think you know everybody's talked about this. It's it's out there, you know, and it's been such a challenge. I, I think that the challenge is is reducing now. Um, but yeah, I mean, during the pandemic, the challenge was insane i mean you know not only from the perspective of trying to uh make people you know feel comfortable in the work environment you know because you know we were still going to work every single yeah. day you know there was no there you can't pick and pack boxes from uh home right working yeah. from home that's not a thing in the warehouse right Definitely so it, you have you know people you want to make them feel comfortable safe in the, in the space um and then you know also trying to you know get new people in when you need it as well um, was incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, and part of the challenge too um, that, that I saw firsthand and, and ran into was that because of that challenge and the high demand for labor, uh, it pushed labor rates up so much in, in the warehousing industry. Um, and then you also run into this challenge where, okay, we have these employees that have been here for a while and now we've, you know, we've exceeded like, to get somebody new in like we've exceeded like what our standard pay was for existing employees so like how do we now balance that keep these employees happy and, and all these things i mean that was like a, a huge challenge trying to figure yeah. that out and, and navigate that um especially at a time where you know companies were also you know being very tight with the purse strings too right because yep. you know you're like it's very uncertain like what are we going to do like we need to cut this we need to cut this and you know we're in the warehouse saying like we need people and we've got to go up on the wages, right? So yeah. very, very challenging with that. And then from the, the port perspective, which you mentioned in there, I mean, you know, we saw that certainly lots of challenges at the port um, stemming from similar things, labor issues, right? And, and shutdowns, things like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that made it even more challenging to try and navigate those labor um, issues within the operation because, you, you get people in and then you have like kind of almost like a, a drought of, of containers in a sense. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're getting, you know, 15 containers today when, you know, we were getting one, two, three, zero, 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 two. Right. So it's, you know, how do I manage the labor where, okay, in a day where I get 15 versus two, like I need to staff up like really quick. Yeah. Um, and, or, you know, am I just holding staff that I don't necessarily need on the days in between just so I know that I have staff when I do need them. Uh, so it's a really been challenging kind of balance on that. I think that's, that's leveling out more now, but that was certainly the biggest challenge I saw uh, throughout the pandemic and even trying to tap into, you know, temp agencies and, and things like that. I mean, I remember, 
uh, one of the temp agencies we worked closely with, um, the lady there, the, the manager, she told us she it was around the holidays. Um, I think it was, I want to say it was Christmas holiday. It was 2020, 2021. I know the last three years are like, you know, such a blur. A blur. Yeah. They're yeah. <laughs> like 30 years, right? It almost feels like so. Um, yeah. She was like, you know, right now at the holidays, like typically we have like 1,600 to 1,800 temps out in circulation in the area. And I'm in like a very densely warehouse populated area in central Jersey. Mm-hmm. And she was like, right now, like we have like 600. And that's it like oh, like a thousand crazy. difference right for the agency so, yeah. so it's pretty wild and then you know you also i mean to that point like an intensely warehouse populated area super competitive to get yeah. labor especially like if you're a medium-sized smaller business trying to compete with you know amazon wayfair the bigger ones like you know because they have kind of the you know the piggy bank to say sure. like oh, okay you know we're going to give you you know fifteen hundred dollar sign-on bonus uh you know we're going to pay uh all this extra money like to to bring you in and all this stuff i mean it's 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 hard to to compete on that kind of thing so mm-hmm. and i think from that stemming out of that it certainly pushed a lot of companies to get uh smarter about capacity planning resource mm-hmm. planning and look further into automation, robotics, uh, technology that's going to help them to either make existing employees uh, more productive or or take some of those kind of repetitive, mundane tasks that, you know, really is, is difficult to find somebody that's going to stay in those roles for, for a long time, if even, you know, for a day, um, to, to kind of take those and automate those a little bit and, and really kind of move that forward. And I think that's created such a huge uh, tech boom and, and push within our industry just in yeah. the last, you know, two or three years. I mean, it's crazy to see how much technology and and new startup tech companies um, from not only from software, hardware, you know, automation, robotics companies kind of just come out and and trying to do all different types of things. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Well, let's talk about that, right? Because I I think arguably warehouses could benefit. You were talking about this a little bit earlier, just from focusing on making, you know, better on-time delivery, on-time pickups, a more painless experience for carriers. But then I started thinking about, as you talk about this, this mm-hmm. cyclical, um, you know, it's like a domino, right? Or a game of Tetris. Every piece has to fit in perfectly. Otherwise you create yeah. these large bottlenecks. So I'm curious from, from your perspective, and I know that your, your, show, your podcast focuses a lot on this. What are your favorite standout technologies that have made its presence known in the warehousing space? Ooh, that's a tough question. I've talked to so many on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to to pick. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to hurt any feelings here either, but uh, or forget somebody. But yeah, I mean, I, I think lately um, some of the most interesting things that that I've seen. I mean, one certainly. Um, actually, they were on our our four hundredth um, episode. It was Motion to AI. Yeah. Um, I, I think what they're doing is really interesting because there's all this talk about. AI um, coming into just, I mean, any industry really at this point, right? Um, And, you know, you know, there's been question like, you know, where does AI fit into the warehouse and and things like this? And I think they're taking very interesting approach um, where they're set up with a very easy to use kind of kit that goes on to your, your forklift fleet. Uh, and then from there, you know, that is now collecting data as your, uh, and this is like your existing forklift fleet. So mm-hmm. it's collecting data through that movement and things like that. And it's able to, to extract all that data. And then they have kind of an AI platform that's able to give you insights into what's going on. So you can see things like uh, from a safety perspective, um, you know, it's giving warnings to the drivers if there's, you know, proximity alerts. Um, and that's collecting that data too, where you're seeing like, you know, is there uh, an incident, somebody bumped into the rack, which uh, very often goes unreported. Um, and then, you know, also like near misses as well, you know, where people almost got in an accident. Um, but, you know, most of the time people don't don't tell you that, right? But that's really where your kind of safety improvements come from are those near misses because you say like, oh, something bad could have happened here. But like, how do we take the step to prevent this? But 
a lot of times people don't bring that up because uh, an accident didn't really happen. Right. So, um, and then taking all that data and kind of, you know, building it out in this kind of AI platform as well to give, you know, insights and things like that, which I think is really smart because if you take, um, you know, your typical warehouse manager, supervisor, um, and you ask them to figure out how to collect data like that and then analyze it and come up with actionable insights from it, that would be a big ask of them okay. to do that. Um, so when you're able to take this tech, make it super simple um, to be able to extract things from it. I mean, I think that's really where you find like a, a win in a technology because it's easy to do. Like it's going to give you, it's going to give you actually, you know, insights and, and tell you, you know, like what's, what's going on and, and maybe, you know, call out alerts and, and things like that. Whereas, you know, you're probably without technology like that or, or data collection like that. I mean, you're just kind of watching out as the warehouse manager and you got like a million things to worry about. So, so yeah. I think that's, that's exciting definitely for me. And I, I think that potential for AI in the warehouse is a, is a huge thing because I, I mean, I myself am big into data. Um, but I think, you know, at some points that's kind of like a, an anomaly um, in warehouse managers and things like that. A lot of warehouse managers I've worked with, they're like, you do the data, like I hate data, right? Or I yeah. hate Excel, right? All, all these things. So, you know, being able to bring that in and, and help those managers be more impactful and, and find those opportunities to improve, I think is a really, really interesting um, case for, for AI. Um, and then I think, you know, some companies that are doing things with digital twins as well is really mm -hmm. interesting. Um, like we had um, a company called Syncrato on the podcast before, um, another company called Fulfilled as well, which has like a WMS that's utilizing a um, digital twin. Yeah. Um, but I think the digital twin is exciting in general because it, it's giving you really the option to run simulations in your operation and, and figure out like, how does this process flow? Right. And then also kind of digitally, virtually tweak things about the operation uh, without having to make like a physical change, right? Mm. And, and understanding like, is this going to work? I mean, you know, because I've certainly had things where we've had ideas, you know, we tried to figure out, mm, is this going to make sense? And, you know, you could only measure and try and figure things out so much um, yeah. before like you're just like, oh, let's just let's just move this and, and see like, does it make a difference? Uh, and then like, you know, a lot of times eh, it doesn't work out. So you got to move it back. Right. So, so yeah. with the digital twin, you don't, you don't really have to do that physical aspect because you can see like, and, and run these simulations throughout. So I think that's really exciting stuff. Um, and then I think too, like um, some companies that are doing uh, labor things like on demand labor, mm -hmm. um, like this company called variable Instawork um, that we've had on the podcast before. Um, and they're taking kind of the uh, almost like the the gig economy approach to yeah. warehouse and manufacturing labor, um, and and we've utilized them in in our um, fulfillment center as well. Um, this kind of idea, it's like you know people uh, that want to do either like you know some little part time work, pick up a couple jobs here and there. Uh, very simple, I think, kind of takes the idea of a, a temp agency and, and makes it like modern. Yeah. Um, you know, basically you're on an app and you put a job out there and uh, warehouse uh, workers can uh, bid on them. And then you can actually see like they have reviews, you can see their experience, you know, like, and they operate this kind of forklift, you know, what type of operations have they worked in before? How many times have they done um, jobs through the platform? Um, so it gives you kind of a, an idea because a lot of times I think it, with the temp agency, in my experience, I mean, you're going, you're kind of going blindly into who am I getting? I mean, so many times, yeah. like, you know, it's like, oh, I need somebody that operates this kind of forklift and they come in and you're like, oh, okay, like we're going to get you set up on this forklift. And they're like, oh, I don't know how to drive that one. And it's like, ah. Like, <laughs> that's like, that's like specifically what I asked for. And uh, yeah. so, you know, you have more visibility there. Um, so I think those are pretty exciting technologies um, there. And I, uh, I mean, there's a ton out there, obviously, and I've talked to so many of them. But yeah. I mean, I think that's really a, an interesting focus right now. Let's talk about the sentiment of robotics and generative AI and even machine learning when it comes down to, you know, this revolution that we're seeing in the supply chain, but now specifically in warehousing, because 
Okay. On our side, we talk a lot about, you know, autonomous vehicles and the, the resounding sentiment is that it will displace drivers and, and so forth. When, you know, studies have shown that that is not the case. You still need a driver to be able to operate just in case as a backup plan. But is the sentiment the same in the warehousing sector where people are afraid that their jobs may be replaced by a beautiful robot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that there is uh, some of that feeling still. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think I would say, you know, I see this contrast from when I when I started my podcast in, in 2019. And I really started talking to more people in automation robotics space and, and learning more about it. Um, yeah. and that's, honestly, that's why I started the podcast, because I wanted to learn more about the industry. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, there was very much uh, much more talk than about uh, the idea of like a dark warehouse or lights out warehouse where, mm. you know, it's fully automated. There's, you know, maybe one or two people in there making sure everything's running okay, but, but nothing else. Right. And, and I think the conversation has very much gotten away from that um, where, and that type of thing. I mean, there's certainly some operations that are kind of working like that out there, but realistically that being widespread, I think is, is way off in the future at this yeah. point. So there's been very much a, a concentration from, um, automation robotics companies to, to make these, uh, collaborative efforts in, in robots to be able to make an employee more productive. Um, so, you know, maybe one employee can now pick as much as two or three employees, right, in the same shift. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly gotten away from, like, that total replacement. But I think that, yes, there still is, you know, some fear um, from, from warehouse workers that haven't uh, experienced robotics automation yet. Um, that their job could be replaced. I mean, I, I did a project myself where... Uh, we were we were testing and, and demoing a, a robot and uh, yeah, as soon as we brought it in the first day, yeah, someone rode up on their forklift and they're like, oh, like bringing that thing in to, to take my job, right? And then, mm -hmm. but I think that's that's part of that uh, kind of automation path and, and journey is is making your employees understand like you know why are we doing this and like what does this mean for them, right? So. Yeah. So in our situation, you know, we explain to them that, hey, like, you know, we're getting this because like we have somebody uh, all day long, all they're doing in our manufacturing area is they're moving carts and pushing carts on the floor. Yeah. But they're, they're trained to do the manufacturing like they can build these these products themselves. Mm -hmm. So the more valuable job for them is to be building. Right. Versus right. just pushing carts around all day and that's what we're trying to do like we're, and nobody wants to really do that i mean sure like people like to do it for a couple of days you know it's a nice nice break don't have to think too much but you know who wants to push carts around every day for you know, a year two years you know years on end right it's, yeah. it's not like a, a very jo a job that you really want to do so you know we explain that to them and i think you know managing that whole change management cycle certainly helps with that sentiment on that side um but there still definitely is like that idea that you know mm, they're gonna take my job but i think right what i'm hearing and what, I, what i've seen in, in that example and also like what i'm hearing from some of the companies that I, I speak to you know once the uh workers get around the robots and really understand like how are they making their job better uh, making it easier for them also making them more productive um then you know it, it changes the the perspective pretty quickly yeah. Um, and I think even like I've heard from a couple of people too, like where, you know, they, they bring robots in and, you know, employees are like, oh, like, you know, my, my kids think I'm so cool now because <laughs> I work with robots. Right. So yeah. it's, it's definitely like something that's, that's cool. And, but I think there is definitely that balance where like, Hey, you have to, you have to make these people understand like, why are you doing this? And, and what is it going to do for them? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the that's the um, misconception too. Is like communication goes in mm. all facets, and that includes automation and you know evolving a space that you've probably worked at for over five, ten years, where it will make you more efficient, where you can focus on things that you want to do. Imagine that a job where you can focus on things that you trained to do <laughs> and want to do, right? Yeah.
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, <laughs> that's hard to find. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> I want to switch gears for a second just sure. on uh, the sustainability aspect because mm -hmm. I think, you know, we, we talk about this a lot here. And earlier this year, um, the Environmental Defense Fund completed its own analysis of warehouses in 10 states where they've gained tremendous ground uh, recently. Now, it's been reported that these trucks uh, bring a significant amount of air pollution to the communities they exist in when they visit those warehouses. And so a couple of things here that I'd love your perspective on. Sure. So the EPA proposed new rules back in March and April to reduce truck emissions that could pollute the air uh, and, and ultimately cause climate change, which, you know, mm -hmm whether you believe in it or not. One of the proposals could push nearly half of new delivery and freight vehicles sold by 2032 to be electric. Is this something that you think could be sort of a core focus for shippers, especially as they start thinking about in implementing warehousing as a sustainable effort to improve their scope three emissions ahead of 2025? Like what are your, what's your perspective there? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it's definitely something that's interesting that's going on in the industry right now, definitely from the, the carrier perspective, also the, yeah. the shipper perspective too. Um, and, and I've had definitely uh, a couple episodes on this recently about sustainability on, on our podcast, and it, it's really interesting uh, some of the approaches that are being taken. Um, but I, I think one of the big things that's certainly going to drive it and is i think currently driving it for for some companies from a shipper perspective is kind of the the consumer expectation and the, mm. the consumer demand for for more sustainability and i, I think uh not only from the consumer perspective perspective of like you know you and i individually ordering something from an e-commerce channel but yeah. from the the brand's perspective as well right i mean i think there's a lot of brands out there that are specifically looking for a partner that has these sustainability practices in place and are looking and understanding um you know what is the impact of the partners that they work with as well within the supply chain um to to be sustainable too right so they're looking kind of for kind of this all-around sustainability um supply chain in, in a sense and I, and I think that is definitely pushing shippers all to, views to and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the regard. speakers and do not necessarily um, reflect the user positions too, of at it, or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants well. are affiliated um, and may have been previously at, um, disseminated by them the views and opinions uh, expressed in this podcast are based upon information big, considered uh, reliable but neither transcripts nor its affiliates nor the companies with which the participants are affiliated or in its completeness or accuracy but one of the things that stuck out to me all views and opinions are subject to perspective is uh, they've actually built into the PMF when you're, you're planning your loads and then choosing loads like they have a feature where it's it's going to tell you like what is the most sustainable um, mm. and green option like with actually like a little green leaf icon on the yeah. the, um, the mode and I think, you know, we're going to see more and more of that. And I think it goes, I mean, that goes back to as well, what I was saying earlier about, you know, technology, you know, becoming more simple for, for shippers to implement and automation and things like that. And, it, you know, it makes sense because if you're, you know, you're planning tons of loads a day, right. And, and yeah. you know, are do you have time to stop and, calculate and figure out like oh this one is you know uh more efficient or you know it's less miles so it's gonna be less emission or, or all those types of things right yeah. not really like realistically like can a person handle that and figure that out along with you know ensuring that everything gets out on time right probably not right so so technology i mean it, coming in to, to be able to do those types of things and, and make those call outs i think is certainly going to be something that's going to uh, help to to make a big push yeah. um and i think additionally on the shipper side we're seeing a lot of companies that are focusing on uh what's called right size packaging right so looking at taking uh the air basically out of the the box because you know i mean i don't know numbers off the top of my head but so much just uh straight up air it just gets like shipped all the time right i yeah. mean you have yeah like your standard boxes and then you know you, i mean we've all probably received something where you know it's like a, a toothbrush and a huge box right and yep. you're kind of scratching your head like uh, like 
what happened here, right? So, so there's a lot of interesting um, technologies out there that are, are focusing on that. I mean, if you look at one, it's called uh, Packurate, which is like a, a software, simple like API plugin for WMS that's looking at that and optimizing your package to, to reduce that. Yeah. Um, and then you have actual like hardware full-on automation technologies like uh, PackSize is, is a big one where uh, you know, your product, they basically have cardboard sheets and your product is coming down the conveyor. It gets uh, scanned for like, what's the size, whether it's, you know, one item, two items, three items together. And then the machine is automatically like cutting that box to be the, the right wow. perfect size for that, right? So, so you see a lot of that happening um, on the inside of the warehouse and, and, you know, trying to make things more sustainable from, from that perspective mm -hmm. um, and then I think when you look at the carrier perspective um, and trying to work with them I think there's definitely an interesting you know thing going on with carriers where they're trying to figure out like how do we make this you know uh, ultimately like financially make make sense right to, to either go with electric vehicles some type of hybrid is maybe hydrogen the answer somewhere down the line um, we even talked to uh recently um uh ceo from from range energy which is doing um electric trailers versus like the electric um tractor itself which yeah. i think is really interesting um but i think where the interesting kind of uh gap is going to need to be filled between the shipper and the carrier on the electrification side mm -hmm. is like it are shippers going to be allowing carriers to potentially like opportunity charge at their location right like mm -hmm. are you going to be able to as a carrier pull up and you know you're going to be there for a little while so to get loaded up you know is there opportunity where you can okay tap into the shippers grid and let's charge up you know while we're yeah. here and i think you know there's interesting kind of opportunity there maybe but yeah. also complicated i think too because it's like all right who pays for this electric right and how right. does this work right so i think that's really um, kind of like where does that shipper carrier kind of meet and and say like okay we're gonna fully go with this electrification and and how do we you know work on this together because i think there's two sides of it right it's like well the carrier uh certainly you know wants to deliver um and you know maybe you know if there's an opportunity to, to charge like the route becomes more efficient right where mm -hmm. they can do more without going back to like a, a charging station or a, a depot or something like that yeah. um and then you know the shipper also you know they don't want uh i think the shipper the last thing they want is like you know to hear like oh it's, it's not getting delivered today because uh the truck ran out of uh energy right, right. The, the battery died right and you know I, I think that's certainly an interesting balance there so i'd be interested to see like how that plays out i think that's definitely more long term sure. um but yeah i think there's definitely efforts being made to create the the tech to allow some of these things to happen um and also a lot of a lot of companies taking the initiative to to do that and i think another big thing too to, to kind of throw in there as well is um the whole idea of people kind of looking more closely at the returns process and also um kind of this secondhand resale market a lot of e-commerce companies are, are trying to figure that out and, and navigate that um and actually saw an interesting um stat on linkedin over the weekend or friday something like that and mm. um i forget the company but they they said that um they opened a, a resale outlet um oh, i want to say it was maybe it was kate spade and um 90 percent of the customers that went through the resale channel were new customers for them oh interesting. it's like this whole new channel yeah that you're opening up customers to and i think a lot of shippers from e-commerce perspective 3pls are are trying to figure out how do they make a better um uh, returns experience for the brands and the consumer yeah. but then also like how do we focus on this this re-commerce in, in a sense right how do we focus on you know bringing things in maybe doing some some repairs if it's damaged and and then you know being able to make that into an additional sales channel for for the brands that we work with i think there's a lot of interesting things happening with that
Yeah, and certainly an untapped area too. It's it's interesting because I think the reselling, rese well, the returns process for a consumer is, I mean, that's a different episode, I feel like. <laughs> it's yeah. such a pain. And then to resale is, is an interesting way to, to go about it. But before we go, you know, usually we hear about warehouse challenges from the carrier's perspective. But given mm -hmm. your background, I'd love to hear what is what are the top pain points that you guys are experiencing within the warehouse, whether it's, you know, inside the actual facility or, or right outside as you meet and greet the, the carriers? What are, what are some of the biggest pain points there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest always and, and something is, you know, not always a, a huge pain point if you have it under control and have processes in place. But uh, certainly safety is always like a, a big aspect, not only for, you know, just the warehouse worker going out, who's either going to, you know, chalk the wheels, put the, the lock on the trailer, greet the the driver um, mm -hmm. in the yard um, or the driver's safety as well in the yard too. I mean, I think that the, the yard is uh, a potentially, you know, a dangerous place. And, and I've seen, you know, heard some accidents and things that have happened in the yard is that it's not good. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's definitely one of the, the top things I think that you always need to kind of ensure that that is okay. Um, and I think, you know, there's always, uh, because you, carriers, right? I mean, you're getting different drivers all the time, right? You, you're not, I mean, certainly you have some of the same drivers that come, you know, they know the deal, they know how things work at, at your operation, but then you, you get drivers all the time. That's their first time there. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, that's certainly sometimes a, a pain point where, you know, they don't understand the, the, the rules or the, the expectations of the operation, right. Where, you know, you can have a sign on the door and says, you know, wait here. Right. And then, you know, you, you turn your head and, you know, you have a driver that's just walked down like 15 doors on the dock and you're like, dude, what do you, you know, what are you doing? Over yeah. here? Like, no, no, no. And then, you know, uh, so, you know, it's certainly that. Um, and then I think one of the big pain points too, I mean, certainly from a time perspective, not only on the, the shipper side, but also the carrier side has always been kind of like the, the papers, right? I mean, whenever there's papers oh, involved, yeah. right? I mean, especially um, like in, in one of the last operations I worked in, we did a lot of LTR, right? So, so every trailer, I mean, there was like multiple BOLs, right? It's in the driver come, pick up the drop trailer, sign, 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 sign. Um, and there's certainly technology out there um, that's that's addressing that, like uh, smart BOL is, is one. We've had them on the podcast before, um, but that's certainly a, a pain point, I would say. Um, and then I, I think just overall visibility um, yeah. as well, right? Like, you know, you look at and, and you work with multiple carriers, right? As a shipper typically, right? So it's like you have one carrier, they have a way of having visibility into your loads. And then you have another carrier, there's no visibility. Um, they just say like, yeah, they're going to be there at three, right? And then it's like, oh, it's uh, 3.30. Like, all right, they're going to be are there soon or to close, like, yeah. you know, what's going on. Um, so that's certainly always a pain point right is trying to get that that visibility and, and really understanding um that but i think if you can work on those things like i mean that goes back to kind of the seamless uh experience we we're talking about right? right um you know it certainly you can go a long way in, in improving those types of things and, and i think part of the challenge from you know maybe if uh, any carriers are listening the the perspective to understand from the, the shipper perspective uh, not having that visibility and understanding like, okay, this is like truly when a, a pickup is going to come or, or an inbound is going to come. Um, you know, not understanding that hurts the capacity and resource uh, capacity planning and resource allocation from the shipper perspective, right? So, you know, if you're supposed to be there at three o'clock and then, well, you're not going to show up until five, like I, I didn't have to like shift my team to go prep that load until probably like four, right? Whereas right. I did it at two, I could have had them focused on, you know, more of the, the parcel picking for UPS, FedEx, because they have a cutoff at, you know, 4.30 or something like that, yeah. right? So, so it, it kind of creates a, a scramble for nothing in a sense sometimes, right? So I think that's really kind of, you know, how do we, uh, you know, make uh, shippers and carriers, you know, live in harmony together? Definitely yeah. think better communication, better visibility. 
Um, and it's great to see too, like a lot of um, carriers embracing technology too, to be able to, to create that visibility. So, so yeah, I mean, I would say that's some of the, the pain points there. And I, I think a lot of technology is trying to, trying to address that. You know, it's interesting. After this conversation, I've learned there's truly technology for literally everything <laughs> in, yeah, yeah. in the supply chain, which is really <laughs> cool to hear. I think my favorite was learning about how, you know, like uh, getting rid of the the air that um, packages, yeah. like it, it's so true. I'll order like a lip gloss and it'll come in this huge box. And it's like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, and then also that warehouses actually are very sexy because as someone who loves an organizational, you know, efficiency, mm. It, I mean, you have to feel so much joy and nerd out when like it's been a seamless day. Is that even possible in warehousing? Uh, it is possible. Um, but I mean, there's like always something that comes up. I mean, think about it like there's so many moving pieces, so many people do, you know, depending on like how high volume your operation is and yeah. just so many things to, to do. Um, that you know it's pretty much always something comes up i mean i've certainly had some some seamless days but you know it, it's interesting because like you, you have these like seamless days and uh you kind of like look at your team like mm, like is something wrong today yeah like, <laughs> can't enjoy it <laughs> yeah yeah like something wrong with the system or, or something not something's not right right and, yeah but uh but yeah i mean you, you can certainly get there i think it takes takes time to be able to to get there and and really do that to get it to a point where Hey, you're just you're just managing exceptions and you know exceptions are not as, as frequent right and i think that's mm -hmm. always kind of the the goal is you want to be preventative you don't really want to be a, a firefighter right you want to prevent the fire so uh yeah can it can you get there you can definitely get there yeah nice before we go i have to just one more question for you sure. what are some of the biggest misconceptions of whether it be a dock worker a loader a, a warehouse manager that the rest of the supply chain may not know of, especially on the shipper side, because I think that there's some room for education there. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think, well, I think they're largely underestimated in the importance of their job. Mm. Um, like I, I said earlier in our conversation, I mean, your your warehouse worker is, is essentially, you know, your internal last line of defense, right, to your customer. So, I think oftentimes, and and it's it's disappointing, I would say, where you know you see people that work in the warehouse being um, treated um, not as, as well as somebody that works in the office, just because there's a difference there. And I, and I don't think that that makes sense. I don't think that's that's right. Yeah. Um, they go through a lot, and there's a lot of variables. You know, you talk about a, a dock worker, especially like on the inbound side. Like sometimes, like. You don't know what that's going to look like like when you open that that door um especially if they're doing containers they're floor loaded um it's heavy work repetitive work it's a lot and you go in that trailer uh you know uh you're in you're in new york i'm in new jersey we know that uh it's been incredibly humid and hot um this month yeah. uh you go in one of those trailers and you know times like this i mean it is uh, like unbearable i mean yeah. it, you know if you're not you know used to that and, and i don't think anybody really gets used to that uh it, it's pretty wild so i mean if you mm -hmm. took somebody plopped them you know out of uh the work from home or office from procurement or something and put them in that trailer uh, i mean i think they would understand a little more <laughs> what the, the dock worker goes through right yeah. um but yeah i mean i think that's really understanding from that supply chain perspective is that like Hey, like you have a chance to try and optimize things in like a container, for example, like how do we make this better for the unloading team, right? You know, do we look at something where, uh, you know, I used to kind of go back and forth with uh, planning team all the time because, you know, it's like, uh, they're trying to, they're trying to maximize the cube of the container, right? Which makes sense, yeah. right? You know, but sure. sometimes in that maximizing like they're making it very difficult to to unload because you're like squeezing boxes all the way to the very tippy top and now we have you know somebody has to climb up there to to pull these out and you know it's it's difficult challenging um you know certainly i would say in my experience like you probably see more type of injury back type of injury type of things on yeah. on the dock because of that um and you also kind of lose time sometimes too it's like you're trying to maximize the cube 
but then your unload time gets longer because the way they they loaded it to try and you know it's easy to load it and just stuff stuff in there right and then to, to pull it out palletize count check it in um you know it takes time and and the the harder it is to unload like the the uh longer it's going to take to to do that and, and it's gonna you know just decrease your time and i'm sure in some instances there's probably a trade-off of like hey if we didn't try and you know stuff these last boxes on the top like we actually would have unloaded faster and we would have not really we're kind of like netting out on the the savings in a sense so yeah. I, I mean i think that's really important and i would say anybody that works in supply chain like you said earlier in the conversation i think in the beginning of the conversation go in that warehouse you know talk to the people look at the processes like go you know for a couple of days and really just understand like how does this operation flow and then figure out how does my role in the supply chain like impact this operation right if i do if i do x then you know what happens here if i do y what happens here right where can i help to improve this process overall and i think that's a big gap that a lot of organizations miss out on is like really understanding like how does you know their job impact like at the end of the day fulfilling those orders and getting the orders to the customer well, I hope that people listening to this episode start to consider warehouse workers and and especially, you know, dock dock workers as well and and the yard and what goes on there and actually volunteers executives specifically volunteer to go out and and learn that perspective. I think they would learn a lot. And not only that, but they could also listen to the new warehouse podcast every yeah. week, right? Yeah, and yeah. Out on on all things warehousing with Kevin Lawton. It was such a pleasure having you on and learning about this perspective because I we never get that. So thank you so much for coming on and you're welcome to come on anytime you have I mean, I want to hear more about your warehousing development, <laughs> this new initiative that you've got going on, but how can folks get in contact with you? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Uh, first of all, it's, it's great to uh, be on the other side of the mic, I guess yeah. I said earlier, and uh, <laughs> and talk about this. I'm always happy to, to talk about warehousing, obviously, uh, as a warehouse nerd, as you uh, said there. So, <laughs> you know, if people want to listen to the podcast, um, they can find it on all podcast platforms. Uh, if it's not on the podcast platform that you listen to, let me know and we'll get it on there. Um, but we have a new episode every Monday and Wednesday. Um, and then on Fridays, actually on our, our LinkedIn, just search for the new warehouse. We have a, a video series as well that we do on there where we show off some of these technologies as well through demos and things like that. Um, and yeah, if you want to get in contact with me, uh, because as you kind of teased there, we do have a, a 3PL uh, as well, where we do fulfillment services. Uh, you can reach out directly to me at Kevin at thenewwarehouse.com. There you go. You heard it there. Reach out to the man and listen to his podcast Monday, Wednesdays, and even Fridays with a video series. Kevin, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Transfix Inc. or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants are affiliated and may have been previously disseminated by them. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based upon information considered reliable, but neither Transfix Inc. nor its affiliates nor the companies with which the participants are affiliated warrant its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such. All views and opinions are subject to change.